BDNG podcast. My name is Tina McKenzie and I am the Education Development Lead for the BDNG. I hope you enjoy listening to the BDNG podcast and find them beneficial to your practice. These podcasts are sponsored by Amaral. Amaral has no influence over the content of these podcasts. Happy listening! Hello and welcome back to the BDNG. We are here at Harrogate. My name is Ashlyn Cleary and I am a clinical nurse specialist in dermatology. And beside me is my co-host, Emmanuel Tony. Hello, and I'm an ACP in dermatology as well. And today we have Rob Mayer and Polly, I'm going to say this wrong, Buchanan. Buchanan. I said it. Buchanan. Buchanan. She literally just told me how to say it. Buchanan. Polly Buchanan with us. And um, I'm going to let them both introduce themselves. Um, So first of all, let's go to Polly. Tell us a bit about who you are and how you became involved with the Dermatology Journal. Well, I've been involved with the BDNG for many, many years I've been a dermatology nurse for about 37 years and various clinical roles. And right from the very beginning, I became a member of the BDNG. So I've attended all the conferences. I think in all those years, I've only missed one conference. So lots of... um, Lots of different roles has led me to have more and more involvement with the BDNG. I was involved in research. I was involved in teaching. I was involved in presentations. I was involved in writing. And so the more I published, the more my face was known, the more my writings were known. And then eventually, I I was over the years, I was asked if I would like to take on the role of clinical editor. Because I'd always kept this super interest in the clinical side of things, I thought, yes, I think I'd like to take this on. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And Rob, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi. Yeah. Uh, so I'm Rob Mayer and I'm the managing editor of the Dermatological Nursing Journal. Um, my background is completely different, I think, to Polly's in terms of, I guess, how I ended up at uh, the BDNG. Um, we, the, the, it was a tender, really, that came out for the, for the journal to produce it. The company I work for, Pavilion, um, has got a kind of a background in, in um, medical and um, like social care publishing, that sort of stuff. Um, we pitched for it, we got it. Um, at the time I was managing another journal, which was the British Journal of Family Medicine. I said, would you want to take over this one? Um, and that was about four and a half years ago, five years ago. So I've been doing it ever since. So it sounds like it's a good mix there of like skills to be able to get the correct information on the journals. Um, so with the journal itself, so for those, I'm sure everyone listening has probably seen it at least once. But in case they haven't, what actually is the journal? So what do you tend to publish in it? Uh, The journal has evolved over the years. When the journal first came out, for example, it was very much a clinical journal. Very much, uh, in fact, we had a series that called How To. And that was because we wanted to use the journal to spread knowledge, um, uh, help others learn dermatology, nursing skills. So... It was very clinically orientated. And that since then, over the years, it's evolved. And that's mainly because dermatology nursing has evolved. We're now at much higher education level. We're working at master's level. We're looking at consultant nurse level. We're working at PhD level. So we've been trying to involve include research, um, uh, clinical innovation, that sort of thing into the journal so that we've developed with um, the profession, as it were. It's always been a means to help our members learn and develop. That's what we want it for. We've tried to bring in um, 
sections of the journal that will help them know and understand. For example, the Ask Pharmacist, for example. That's a very valuable little section, um, which, but very clinically orientated still, but very much research-based, evidence-based, patient safety-based. But fundamentally, a learning tool. I think, I think from my point of view as well, is, is also about um, the, the practicalities of it. So I'm very much, the more that we have templated in terms of the, the journal. So as I said, having sections where you've got Ask the Pharmacist and you've got Patient Voice. We've just uh, put in the Derm School uh, section. So all of those are templated so we know what we've got to hit kind of every issue, which makes that production side a bit, a bit easier. Um, so one of the things that we're thinking about for, for future would be like Ask the Dietitian and how we could bring that in. So that's kind of like, the next sort of thing that we'd be interested in doing. And I've got a question, because you've mentioned quite a few different kind of, uh, uh, I suppose, different levels of, of clinical responsibility there. How do you make sure that every issue has kind of got a mix so that, you know, the nurse consultants can take something away, just like the more junior level? What's the process for making sure you have that variety? I think an awful lot of it is luck. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on... What's in the pipeline depends what's happening now. If we had, um, if there was something happening in the world of dermatology, we would try and focus on that because it's happening, it's relevant, and we need to get it out there. Um, since Derm School has come on board, that's taking care of the new learners, people with the less experience in dermatology. And then the clinical reviews and the research sections are focusing on de continuous development for the much higher levels. And they can use that evidence and those studies to help develop their practice and ensure that their practice is evidence-based. And so if we go back to the kind of history of the, of the magazine itself, Forgive me, did you say when you when you got involved with this, have you been there from the start? Not, or who was before you? Uh, not with the journal. Um, there have been various people involved being editors of the journal over the years. I only became involved well, just same, same time as Rob, yeah. really. Um, we kind of started this little new um, face of the journal together. Previous... Um, Clinical editors have been people within the BDNG, like Rebecca Penzer, uh, Sarah Burr, um, Julie Van Onselen. Julie Van Onselen are all names who have been editors in their past. And now we're at the point of the 25th anniversary. Mm -hmm. Have you got big celebrations in store? Yes, we do. So yeah, we, um, we've just produced a supplement, which is a historical perspective on dermatology nursing. So by the time, I guess, people listen to this, they, they should have copies in their hands, which is great. Um, but this, so, so, so the plan really for this came out of the last conference. Um, Polly had a napkin where she was writing down possible ideas for this supplement. And this napkin is, it needs to be framed somewhere really, doesn't it? We need to put it up and keep it. Um, but it, we had like six or seven ideas and, you know, I think we hit every single one in terms of the, the content that made it into the final journal, which is great. So, yeah. yeah. So during the celebration of last year, in the most informal setting, it was a brainstorming session and all those ideas were written on the back of a paper napkin. And that's what's 
now in glossy colour and it worked beautifully, didn't it? it? We actually got everything that was on that napkin into the supplement journal. Don't don't lose the napkin, Polly. Don't lose the napkin. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be framed. (laughs) I can't wait to see what comes out of tonight's (laughs) celebrations (laughs) and written on what. Be the whole tablecloth. Just take it home with you. I was distressed. Yesterday evening we went out for a meal and the first thing, and both Rob and uh, Mark were there and I looked at the napkins and I went... Oh no, they're cloth. <laughs> we can't deface a cloth napkin. Well, they might last a bit longer than the paper napkins, to be fair. <laughs> um, so how how do you go about getting um, dermatology staff nurses, etc., to write or to contribute to the journal? Um, a lot of it's done uh, two ways, really. It's through word of mouth and the experienced nurses and members of the BG&G will encourage their new members in the department to write. And if any of them are doing courses of study, like master's degrees, and they've got projects or they've got something they need to write up, then we are always looking at those to see whether is this something that we can use to encourage new authors. We're really wanting to encourage new authors. And the other way is uh, during venues like this during events like this where both Rob and I are on the prowl all week and (laughs) we will personally approach somebody who has done a presentation an oral presentation or a poster and be able to say would you be willing this is really interesting I think the readership would like to see this would you like to write it up for the journal and what about, because there's a lot of kind of low, almost lone workers up and down the UK in dermatology. So someone that perhaps hasn't attended this conference and might not have the connections to be able to, to get into contact. Uh, how would they get into contact with yourself? They have an idea. Is there a website they can look at or a contact email? So, yeah, um, I mean, primarily what would happen, the first port of contact is, is someone would email either the BDNG office and the admin email address. Um, or they come straight through to me, and at that point, I have a discussion with Polly. I say, "This paper's come in. This looks really good." Um, we kind of then talk about, I guess, what, what those next steps are, what we need to do to kind of make it um, to get it to the publication stage. What we would need to do, obviously, I mean, we've got a, a whole process behind that. Then of peer review, which we can obviously come on to later. But yeah, primarily we're talking about emailing the the admin at bdng.org.uk email address or uh, myself which is rob.mayor at pavpub.com and and yeah just drop those emails through and we're happy to always just get that ball moving really and and start um getting getting the articles through to print definitely so how does that process start so say someone has an idea um but they're very new to to writing do you have um support or do you direct them to other people to kind of give them that mentoring side of of writing I think it's it's a bit of both, isn't it? Like some people, they, they they come through with like a really fully fleshed idea of like this is I've got this article in mind. I think I would do X, Y, and Z, and that's how I would see it. that's how I envisage it getting to print. Um, and then I'll have a discussion with Polly, um, and we'll say, yeah, that sounds about right. Or in actual fact, we need to do a bit more work on it. Um, or you have something that is really kind of vague, and then in which case, you know, having someone with Polly's kind of expertise and knowledge can really help shape those articles and, and, and pull them into a position where we think actually that, that could make a really great article. So it's, I think it's a bit of both, isn't it? Definitely. And uh, if I have a look at a raw article, draft one as it were, I would say this this is interesting, I'd like to see more. And then uh, we would feed back 
average feedback, a framework, and say, I'd like to see an introduction, I'd like to see this, I'd like to see that. What the implications for nursing? That's nearly always in there. What is nursing? What's the, you know, the nursing input here? And recommendations, that sort of thing. It depends on the type of article we get through, but it's I always bring it back to the nursing. I always bring it back to patient focus and nursing, if it's a clinical article, that sort of thing. And then after that, we usually, we've got a wonderful editorial board and um, we would try and put the article out. Once it's ready to be reviewed, it will go out for peer review. And uh, the editorial board has a big input into reviewing the article, feeding back, and then we respond with the, the, to the author to say, you know, minor changes or complete rewrite or, yeah, this is perfect. Can you do this, that, and the next thing, that sort of thing. You know, We try to encourage um, them to make the changes rather than to decline the paper. So with the peer review process uh, what does that who's involved and how if someone's listening to this and think my goodness I'd love to be involved as a peer how would they go about getting involved so we've so as Polly said we've got like the editorial board um and so I would say 95 percent of the papers that we have we would send through to someone on the editorial board so we've got a, a a wide range of experts with different um backgrounds different expertise so some of them are obviously very good on research uh we've got a podiatrist on there um I think we've got people who are in, in primary care, people who are in secondary care. So we've got a really good kind of spread of people that we can kind of call upon. So when a paper comes in that's relevant and it needs to go to peer review, we can select who is the most relevant. I'll have a conversation with Polly and say, oh, do you think this should go to say, one of our cancer people? Should it go to a primary care person or whatever, depending on, on, on the, I guess, the context of the paper? We select who we think would be the best peer reviewer. We then approach them. We usually give them about a, a two-week time frame to turn the paper around. Um, so yeah, it, it it is. I think really, it's all about that, um, that initial discussion between us about who who we send it to and where we send it. Um, in terms of if people want to get involved in in the in, in joining that, I mean, at the moment, I think the editorial board we had a bit of a refresh in uh, over the summer, so we've got like three or four new people on it. So at this point in time, I'm not sure if there's a vacancy on the editorial board, but it might be that if we if someone says, "Well, you don't have an expertise in this area," and, and I'd be really willing to to help out. Just drop us a line because I'm sure it's something that we can do. And the, and the chair of the editorial board is Jackie Tomlinson, and so she would be the one to, mm. to person to liaise with initially. So yeah, and the, the good thing about being a part of the editorial board is for your own professional development. And every single year, Rob's sends a certificate. Yeah, yeah. So so if you, if you do five reviews a year, you'll get a certificate that kind of acknowledges that you've done five reviews a year. Um, and, and also, you know, you're, you're encouraged to write a bit as well, so which is great. So it's a, mm-hmm. a, a and that and that certificate will give you the evidence for your CPD when you get your own professional review done. So it's it's a win-win, and you learn from it too. It's a real learning process, especially if you're a budding writer yourself. Yeah, definitely. I think you know when you're doing any presentation, you're learning. A relearning or refreshing might be the word um the the topic first before you're sharing so it'll be the same thing when you're um peer reviewing but in terms of uh, you mentioned professional development so um if you were writing or thinking about writing an article for the the bdng what do you think the professional development is there why should someone why would someone benefit from writing 
That's part of your own personal professional development and it also acts as evidence to somebody on um, if you were going for a job that was safer at a higher grade. Um, you have to give evidence of learning, leadership, influence, you know, all this sort of thing and how can you do that and having something published is a good way of demonstrating that you're working at a higher level. Fantastic, thank you. And do you have any hints or tips about how you can get published or what you can do to make yourself publishable? Hardest part is writing the first word. <laughs> I encourage authors, if they want to do it, I say, well, tell the story. Tell the st Think about it as a story in your head. Tell the story, then we can go back and edit it. So if it's something that you're passionate about or something you want to write about, that's where to start. Tell the story. Follow a few guidelines like word count. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> and then, you know, the help's there. But the initial bit is the biggest the hint to me is think of it in your head as a story. We want a beginning, a middle and an end. Yeah. And read up on the articles that are already published to try Obviously, and see the, uh, yeah. the flow. Yeah. Depends on what you're, you're looking at. You do have to do some literature searching before you you start putting pen to paper. That's true because you need to see what's out there, what's relevant for your paper and what can support your statements, basically, because we do need to have the evidence base there. Putting pen to paper or pen to napkin, depending. And <laughs> <laughs> um, what is the journey to get from a submission to the final journal? So, so the, I think there's, there's kind of two ways of thinking about. It. So, obviously, individual papers um, they would get submitted. Some of them review greatly, and you know they don't require a huge amount of work. So, the process for those is really easy. They get on page. Um, relatively pain-free some of them require much more work than others and Polly might see them a couple of times and reviewers might see them a couple of times or it might go to a second or third reviewer in very rare occasions I think yeah. so those ones obviously take much more time so what that means for the journal is I have to have a huge kind of backlog of commissioning ideas and um, through conversations and through the different um, the people that you meet and sometimes people submit ideas to us and sometimes people um, you know, we, we approach someone when we think that there's a real kind of potential there for an article. So I've got this um, like enormous 300 line spreadsheet, which is just like this commissioning document that is um, a living, breathing kind of working document that I kind of look at every day. And you know, some days it's completely bewildering because there's just so much on it, and it's like so many, so many names and people who I don't know, and people I've met maybe once or twice who said, "Oh yeah, we'll do this, or we can do that, or that's the expert that you need to speak to for that particular topic." So. From there, from there, I suppose it's like I would probably start to work through those commissioning um, when, when I when I've got ideas that I need to commission and spaces to fill, um, knowing that probably you're looking at about three to six months. So we've just published the September issue. I would say I've got fifty percent of the December issue is kind of like in some sort of process of going through that peer review. Um, some of, some of them obviously haven't, haven't reviewed great, which is just kind of like part of the course. Some of them have reviewed great. Um, we'll pick up content from from the conference, which will kind of fill out the rest of the issue, I think. Um, but it is just like, as I said, like, you know, it's a 
three to six months really in terms of that that time frame of getting from an idea through to getting it on print um and it's it's it's, it's always worth like I, I always try and over commission so um you know we might have like six or seven articles in the issue but i probably commission twice that knowing that you get some that that won't um that won't make that issue because either they'll review badly or or not badly that they, they won't review particularly well or or um yeah, so so either they, I want to say they 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 would review, not great, but not I don't I don't want to discourage people from actually writing because it's like it's that process. Um, they go through it, the peer I mean, review they, process. They just haven't reached their full potential exactly. yet on paper. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, so we'll kind of guide them through that process, but that just takes a little bit longer than than obviously the ones that just go straight, relatively pain free through it. And I feel um from our uh, previous history with Rob, you should definitely try and be on time because uh, <laughs> we've had uh, quite a few follow-up emails to um, get our words and submission across. Are there any take-home messages you would like to, to put out there for our listeners to the BDNG podcast? My take-home messages uh, would be share, share your knowledge, share your experiences, um, support each other. And if the journal can help a little bit in doing that, yeah, contact the journal. Read the journal, enjoy the journal, and enjoy BDNG as a group and a, and a membership, really. I think for me, it's, it's, it's probably not so much a take-home message, but I, uh, like coming into this not as part of, I guess, the dermatology background. It's not, it's not, my background is purely journalism. Um, but it's, it's such a supportive um, and positive kind of organization to work for and it's a real privilege to kind of produce the magazine um every three months um it's, it's one of the a part of the job that i enjoy the most um and, and it's a real privilege to do it i'm i'm aware that it's kind of like we're just stewards for the for the journal and it kind of lives on after us so we always want to make sure that i think that the job that we do is up to mark and, and it lives on and, and continues to live on so as i said it's just a real privilege to be able to do it yeah absolutely um, but thank you so much, uh, both of you, for, for coming and speaking to us today. I think there's some really good lessons um, and some really good tips there. And I hope that hopefully you can get some more people involved with the journal and, and more more people publishing. And hopefully this can just wear, raise a bit of awareness for our nurses, colleagues up and down the UK, and hopefully get some more input. But thank you very much for your time. Thank you. I look Again, forward to you. chasing you in November for more coffee. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I've already done. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For further information on the BDNG, visit our website, bdng.org.uk and watch out for the next BDNG podcast, which is coming soon.